Good morning, everyone. You know, it's so good to be here in front of you this morning. Um, ah, I just don't feel great. So I'm going to start with that. And if anyone else is here and you're like, man, I pushed through it to be here, thank you for being here. But my left ear is like totally plugged and ringing. So if my volume is off this morning and I'm like weird, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just doing my best. Um, it was so heavy on my heart to do something different and maybe uncomfortable for some of us this morning. Today's message is all about, you know, suicide, anxiety, depression, and, and why I do good works at all. And before I started my message, you know, I was up praying about this all night. And I really, I would just love it if I start with prayer, and, and during that prayer, I would love if all of us just gently, okay, this isn't like a slam on their shoulder, it's not a squeeze their shoulder, because you all kind of do that when we touch somebody's shoulder, and that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, like, pretend they have a sunburn, and they're hurting, and they're in pain, and reach over to your neighbor's shoulder or the person in front of you and just put your hand on their shoulder. And this is for everybody. All of us are going to do this. So we're all doing it right now. Find somebody's shoulder. Touch their shoulder. Gently. Don't squeeze it. Come on. Nobody knows what's going on. And we're just going to start with a prayer this morning. And then I'll get into the message. But let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for everyone in this room. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your comfort. God, we don't know what everybody in here is going through. We don't know their struggles, their anxiety, their depression, the way their lives have gone out. But God, we know you are the God of comfort and love, and we know we can come to you, and you will give us joy and peace, Lord. So help us be there as a church family for each other. Help us to feel your love this morning, Lord. Speak through me and let it encourage people so that they can share your love and your comfort, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You know, thank you for that. (laughs) Sorry if it was uncomfortable for a second, but, you know, we're a church family, And we're here to take care of each other and to meet each other's needs. And so many times that is a gentle touch on a shoulder. It's a kind word. It's a prayer. And I just encourage you guys to live that out. So we're going to tackle a couple of questions and see how they're all joined together this morning. And and the first one is, Man, I love God. I love Jesus. I believe in him. I've been baptized. So why in the world do I still have depression? Why in the world do I still struggle with anxiety? And maybe you've heard some some foolish Christian just be like, well, you need to believe more. Well, you need to choose joy better. I'm sorry if that's been said to you, and that's something that you've had to wrestle with, and it's made you question your belief. And you can be in love with the Lord and be battling with depression and anxiety for a long time. 
And that is, it's just true. So why, why does that occur? Well, you know, we live in a fallen, broken, sinful world. So there is sin all around us. So it might be the sin that's innate in the world. It might be a sin that happened to you because we're surrounded by other sinful humans and perhaps another sinful human did something horrible that impacted you. And maybe it is you and you're living in sin and you need to be convicted of that and adjust from that and be in a new place. And yes, we live in a fallen world, so there can be fallen things with your body. And I hate that some people have said, well, you don't need medication. You know, in some cases, your body might need help. I'm sick. I took medicine. I don't like medicine. I needed medicine. Okay? When somebody has a broken leg and we put it in a cast, we're not like, well, you don't need that cast. No, clearly they need it, okay? So we need the help. In many cases, we might need some medication or some support or some counseling or to be removed from the sinfulness that you're surrounded by. That's some of the reasons why you might be dealing with depression or anxiety. And before I get too much further into my message, and I didn't know when the right timing would be, but I feel like the beginning's just the best spot. So Nathan's story. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm Pastor Nathan. Glad you're here. Since seventh grade, I dealt with self-harm, depression, and thoughts of suicide. I've got scars riddled down my body. Till I was 21, I wouldn't wear a tank top because I was ashamed. I really wanted to take my own life. I stabbed my hand as a promise not to do it. Not because that makes any kind of sense, but it's what I did. And I thought that I would always want to harm myself. Like, I, I thought it. Okay, and I served the Lord all those years, guys. I was a missionary. I was a student pastor. I was serving the Lord through it all. And I just thought I just had to deal with this for the rest of my life. And when people told me that someday it would be gone, I did not believe them. Because that did not sound like a reality to me. Now here I am in my walk of life. And for several years, I haven't even had the thought of wanting to harm myself. Like, praise the Lord. But I didn't, if you would have told me at any point from like 11 to 25, I would have been like, You're, you don't know anything. You're so blissfully unaware. How can you even say these words to me? So I, I share that to say this is all so heavy on my heart. Now, I've had friends commit suicide. I've, I've, I've been tied into this for a long time. But in God's perfect timing, you will have joy and peace. And I don't know when that perfect timing is, and it might be years, like it was years for me, but 
You have to endure, you have to persevere, and you have to just trust. And today we're going to be talking about some good works, and I'm not saying do good works with a smile on your face, and good works will magically get you out of it. I'm saying do good works with heart and with pain and be open and vulnerable while you're doing those things and trust that God is going to get you to a new place because your past doesn't define you and he makes you new. He created you new so you can be new and you can be free from whatever it is. And that's true but it might take years and a lot of hard work and a lot of people surrounding you with love and with comfort and support so kind of continuing that thought the heart of today's message was you know is suicide an unforgivable sin maybe you've heard that somewhere, maybe you've even thought that at some point in life. You know, I already mentioned I had friends commit suicide. I know that many people in this room have been touched by someone who has committed suicide, taken their own life. Is suicide an unforgivable sin? No. Absolutely not. And the only reason this thought even exists is nonsense. So hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the Catholic Church was doing the Crusades. Many, many believers did not want to participate and were forced to participate. And they thought the better option to participate would be instead to take their own life than to fight against their will. So the Catholic Church created this new thought that, hey, if you commit the sin, which it is a sin, but it's not an unforgivable sin, of taking your own life, then you will not be in heaven. And then it further gets pushed down the line hundreds of years later when it's tied to this idea in Catholicism of your last rites. And this idea that I have to confess my sins right before I die or as close to when I die as possible. I hope you were here last Sunday, but in case you weren't, the only thing that gives you eternal life is believing in Jesus Christ. Not confessing your sins, not confessing your sins over and over every day, not confessing your sins right before you die. And also, it just doesn't make any sense because plenty of people die without confessing their sins. So why would this particular sin be elevated in some way when we don't see it in Scripture ever? So I'm sorry If you've battled with this question, but the truth of the answer is absolutely not. God loves you. God loves that person. And if they believed in him and belonged to him, then they are with him. And we shared this verse last Sunday, but I just want to share it again. It's found in Romans, Romans chapter 8. 
Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? This kind of ties into the depression and anxiety. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered by sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Then the verse continues. For I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death. Okay, right there, boom. You taking your own life, that person taking their own life cannot separate them from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, your worries, your depression, your anxiety cannot separate you from the love of God. Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, no, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Just have some peace. If you had a loved one and you were worried about it, just have, have some peace. If you're struggling with your worries, have peace. God loves you. And nothing will ever separate you from that love. Second, it kind of makes sense that some people want to not be alive. And that is a fair thing to want because it makes sense as a believer. Let's wrestle with that thought for a minute. This is in Philippians chapter 1, starting off at verse 20. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I will trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I am torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ. This world is sinful. I'm surrounded by sin. I'm battling with sin. Man, it is a normal thought. To wish to go be with Christ. Paul himself was sitting here battling with it. Man, I don't know. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But, and this is the important part, right? If I live, I can do more fruitful works. But, for your sakes... 
it is better that I continue to live. You know, there's this lie that many people struggling with the thoughts of suicide tell themselves, you know, all these people would be better off. That is a lie. No one would be better off if you weren't here. No one. If you're here, you can do more fruitful work for Christ. If you're here for the sakes of others, it is better that you continue to live. So knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you'll have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. So Paul wrestled with this thought. He chooses to persevere, endure, and continue because other people would be better off if you choose to endure and persevere and continue. But it's not only Paul who felt this way. No, Christ himself felt this way. So we slide over to Matthew chapter 26, starting off at verse 36. And this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus is arrested and taken through trials, led to the cross to die for our sins. He knows all this is coming. I I might be depressed if I knew all that was coming. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. This feeling that you might be rattling with, this feeling that other people are battling with, Christ himself felt and battled with. Depression eats into you. It's achy in your bones. It pushes you with grief to that thought of death. He asked them, stay here, keep watch and pray with me. He went on a little further, bowed his face to the ground, praying right when he's grieved to the point of death. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And then Christ does what I pray I will do and what I pray every one of us will do in this moment through everything that we ever go through. Yet I want your Will to be done, not mine. You want a good step to get out of depression and anxiety and whatever negative thoughts you're dealing with? That's the prayer. That's the example. God, I want to be out of this, but God, I want your will to be done through me. That is a hard, uncomfortable prayer. But it's how you should pray. 
And we see it again in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Jesus understands what you're going through, what they're going through. For he faced all the same testings or trials or sufferings that we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. God loves you He understands you, and he's going to give you mercy and grace when you need it most. If you just go to his throne and say, God, your will, I want your will in my life. But you are not alone. Christ went through it, but not only Christ, all of your family of believers. We see that in 1 Peter chapter 5. So humble yourselves. Stop thinking that you need to do all of this by yourself. It's a toxic, poisonous, silly, stupid thought. You don't need to get through it by yourself, and you don't need to correct yourself before you start your relationship with God. You can only do it through God. So humble yourself and realize that you need the mighty power of God. And at the right time... He will lift you up in honor. Because I don't know what that right time is. You know, for me, I I wish he would have lifted me up sooner. Man, I do. But at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out because you have a great enemy, the devil. And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him and be strong in your faith and remember Your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. You know, it's just, I'm sure you've thought it, I know I've thought it, but like, I'm the only one going through this. Not true. Christ went through it, he gave us the example, and our whole family of believers are going through it. You are not alone. Your suffering is not unique to you. Don't think that you're isolated. You are not meant to do things alone, and nobody would be better off if you weren't here. So come to your family of believers who are suffering just as you are. And we see in Romans, Romans chapter 5, It says, we can rejoice. This is hard. 
We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's interesting. Enduring through things leads you to remember that you're saved. And that this world's got nothing on you. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us our Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Came at just the right time. He'll come for you at just the right time. Then we slide over to Philippians chapter 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do and remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Other translations say, be anxious in nothing. So don't worry about anything. Be anxious in nothing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done then you will experience God's peace. His peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. There's two pieces here. (laughs) Pieces, pieces. There's two pieces. One piece is your peace of eternal life. You should have peace. You should have utter peace confidence. If I believe in Jesus, I'm at peace because I will have eternal life with Jesus. Then you've got a separate peace, like the peace that was given to me that I don't even understand. How could I get from thinking that I would always think that thought always to not thinking about it? It does not make sense to me It is outside of my understanding. I was graciously giving a peace that I don't understand at just the right time. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds so you live in Christ Jesus. So now, dear brothers and sisters, knowing that, one final thing. Fix Your thoughts. Man, so much of what's going on in your life or their life is just the wrong thoughts. And you're stuck in this spiral of untruths and lies and your enemy, Satan, the devil, is looking to devour you. So fix your thoughts. How do I do that? What do I think about? Think about what is true. 
what is honorable, what is right and pure, what is lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. So I got to think better thoughts and I got to do better actions. Depression is this downward spiral, right? I want to self-isolate. I want to make up excuses. I want to not go to things. I got to put into practice the good that I know I should be doing. Part of that's my thought life. Part of that is separating from sinful people who are pulling me down into their sinful choices. Part of that is saying, Satan, get behind me. You have no authority here. Christ is in me with confidence and boldness. Put it all into practice. Everything you have heard and saw, then the God of peace will be with you. There's a Proverbs that I just saw and it caught my attention, so I wanted to include it this morning. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. And it's hard to give yourself that good word. That's why we need our family of believers to help pull us out of our anxiety and our depression. A good kind word. That's not looking at someone and saying, believe harder. That's not looking at someone and saying, choose joy better. No, it's saying, hey, I love you, and I'm here for you, and you can get through this, and you don't have to be perfect, and you don't have to be fixed. Christ is here for you, and he loves you, and he uses all of us in our brokenness. Stop worrying. God will see you through. Then we get this question. Somehow this was all tied together in Nathan's brain. It was good works and all of these struggles. So if I'm saved by grace, which you are, and good works don't save you, and they magically won't fix you. Okay, I was lied to when I got saved. I was sold this idea of God loves you, and if you give your heart to him, then all your problems just like, it's all unicorns and rainbows and butterflies, Mm -hmm. not so much. Getting saved doesn't get rid of your problems. Doing good works doesn't save you and won't get rid of your problems. So why do it at all? That's kind of a lie we can tell ourselves, especially if we're on that downward spiral. Like, why do anything at all? I got a couple verses this morning to go through. First is Hebrews chapter 10, and we've seen this verse a lot. I hope that you're beginning to store it in your heart. But let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm 
For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Think about that song we sung. He can be trusted to keep his promises. So let us all, right, a family of believers, let us all think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Christ's return is drawing near. So we're called to motivate each other to acts of love and to good works and to encourage each other, right? A good word takes it away. And we saw this verse last Sunday talking about how your good deeds do not save you and doing good works does not save you and it will not take away your problems. But James 2, 19 You say you have faith, you believe there is one God, good for you. Even demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? It continues down that chapter to say it's dead. Good works don't save you. Good works are not going to end your anxiety or your depression. But doing good works might help someone else. And then that person can be saved and have a relationship with Christ and start this journey of trying to be better and trying to be healed and trying to look like Him. But if you do nothing, then nothing will be accomplished. And we see it again in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Look, you are God's masterpiece. His perfect work of art, even though you feel broken, even though you feel like you got to get something together, it's not true. Why? Because he created you anew in Christ Jesus. So God took whatever I was, whatever you were, and he made me new. He made me his perfect masterpiece. So... We can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has plans for you. He's got good things that you're supposed to do planned for you. And you can do them because he made you new. So stop holding on to whatever you were. And say, God, you made me new. And because you made me new, I'm going to get to work for you. I'm going to use my gifts 
for you. I'm going to do whatever I can for you. Not because it saves me, not because it's going to heal me or make me better, but God, because you loved me so much, I just simply have to respond by doing what you've called me to do. And you've called me to do good. So I'm going to work hard to do good. Trying to pull a life lesson out this morning. On the back of your bulletin, if you're new here, there's like all the verses that we go to. Sometimes I run out of room, so all the verses weren't there today. But usually I try to have at least one thought that you can take away. And it's not choose joy. It's not believe harder. It's probably not something that you even want to hear. But it's a call to endure. That's, That's what scripture calls us to do. Endure, persevere, continue. So endure. I don't know what you're going through, but endure. Persevere until you can experience joy. Right at that beginning of the verse, count it all joy. Rejoice. Yeah, I, I want to choose joy. I want to be joyful in my trials and my sufferings, but I'm not quite there yet. Probably because I need to endure and persevere just a little longer. And then at some point I get that peace and it clicks and I get joy. So then the peace that passes all understanding will come. It will come. Now, some of us hold on to that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And you're like, God, where's the prosper? Where's the no harm? That verse was given to people who were then in captivity for another 80 years. I don't know when the peace is coming. I don't know when it's going to click to joy for you. But I know if you keep enduring and persevering, it eventually will. It'll come. Even if it only comes when you're finally with God in heaven. Because we do have that final peace, right? I believe in the Lord and I will be with him for eternity. And I might have to go through all of it on this earth. I might have to be hated and despised just as Christ was hated and despised. But God, I know that peace and that joy is coming. And what is your 120 years on this earth in the face of eternity with Christ forever? And what are you willing to endure so that someone you love or even a stranger can be with Christ for forever? So I, I encourage you, just keep pushing forward. Do those good works, not with a pretend smile on your face, but with a vulnerable, transparent heart. Says, yep, I'm broken, yep, I'm suffering, but I'm still here serving the Lord. Because that's what He's called me to do, and I trust that one day I'm gonna I'm gonna count it all joy. And I'm gonna have a peace that's coming. And I pray for you, it comes at just the right time, and that just the right time is as soon 
as possible. God, let it be today. God, if it's your will, if there's someone who needs your peace, let it be today. Heal them from whatever it is, God. So why do good works? God called you to do these good works. And those good works help others. Just like Paul was saying, I know I shouldn't go be in heaven because it would be better if I could be here serving you all. Can you click my next slide? My thing's not working. (laughs) You know, this verse is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I share my testimony. I've shared it before. This verse is this tattoo right here on my forearm. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. God loves you. He comforted you. He gave you that comfort in your troubles so that you can comfort others so that you can spur them on so that you can encourage them to good works and acts of love he gave you this unbelievable ununderstandable comfort so use it share it with others no that's not going to magically take away whatever you're going through but it's how you're called to be And that's going to help those other people receive that comfort from God. You know, as we kind of wrap up the message this morning, last Sunday was all about putting your faith in Jesus. And it was amazing. We had two baptisms. Let's just take a second and like praise the Lord. But if you were here last Sunday and you made up some excuse because you were anxious or worried, or depressed, man, throw it out the window. No, putting your faith in Jesus and getting baptized will not magically take it away, but it is the first step. It is the first step in your journey. Believe in Jesus. Second step, get baptized. Third step, get to work, doing good works and sharing his comfort so I came back and I filled up the baptism again because we got to fill it up anytime that we need it. I can't just fill it up in the morning. And it's warm and it's ready. And if you're sitting here like, man, I don't have that comfort, I don't have that relationship, then I implore you, give your life to the Lord. Say, God, I believe in you and I want you in my life and I want your comfort and I'm going to give that comfort to other people, God. Come into my life and save me. I believe you died on the cross and rose again all for me, God. We've we've got to change the clothes. We have everything that you could possibly need. I'm going to have a time of offering, and then we'll have a worship song. I'll be right in the front. Just come down and talk to me during that worship song. 
But let me pray to kind of wrap up the message, and then we'll go into a time of offering. But I got a few verses to share before offering. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for all the hearts in this room. God, I pray that you make it obvious to us the problems and suffering around us. God, we are your church family, and we're here to take care of real needs, and these are real needs, so let them be shared. Let your comfort be poured out on everyone around us so that they can feel it, and praise can go to your name, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. Amen. And I wanted to continue in Philippians, Philippians 4. Before tithes and offerings. And some of us have heard that verse in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you take it out of context and you just hold on to it. But let's look at it right after everything we just read. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. And I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. You know, it's part of what you're going through because you're not content with whatever you have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones to give me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help for me more than once. Now, I don't say all of this because I want a gift from you. He's not saying all that because he wants a gift. I say all of that because I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Providing for our church is an amazing good work that all of us can do. Start with two pennies. Just faithfully and generously give however the Lord has called you to. At the moment, we have all that we need. Praise God and more. And I'm generously surprised with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. Do you feel that and know that about your tithe? It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing. And the same God who takes care of me and our church will supply all your needs 
from his glorious riches, which have all been given to us through Christ Jesus. Now all the glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Now I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'll invite the worship team up to the front. I know I mentioned tithing and, and, and giving financially to our church, but we've also been talking about good works. And guys, we need you. We need you to get to work. So we got like way too many kids. I can't, that's the wrong way to phrase it. We got a lot of kids back there. Like a lot of kids. Some people would be like, we got too many kids back here. We got a lot of kids, praise the Lord. We need people who are willing to say, hey, I'm going to come back there and I'm going to come alongside our kids and I'm going to encourage them and comfort them and raise them up in the Lord. So if you've got a tug on your heart to help with our children's ministry or our youth ministry, please step up and do it. We asked the last couple of weeks for our worship team. And if you've got worship talents, if you've got a willing heart, if you can help in the tech booth, if you can help manage some things, then step forward and help. If you can come volunteer and serve food at a basketball game, then come be a part of it. If you can go at the voyage on Wednesday night or next Thursday whenever we do it, the ministry team, then come and be part of it. Don't give any excuse to not be serving the Lord with all that you have. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come here and to learn about you and to be encouraged by you, God. Please, if there's any untruths that people are wrestling with, take them all away. Nothing can separate us from your love. I am loved, I am with you, and I'm here to serve you, God. It is all yours. My finances are yours, my house is yours, my family is yours, my talents are yours. I'm here to serve you, God. Whatever your will is, God, that is what I want. Do your will. I'm at your service. I humble myself before you. Take whatever you need, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. Amen.